Buongiorno tutti. Benvenuti a Kimberly's Italy. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. And for those of you uh, that listen to us all the time, welcome back. My name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I am here with my co-host, Tommaso. Buonasera, Belgrano. Buonasera. He's also my co-host in life. How's that? Si. Carina. Chief <laughs> engineer of our life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I teed myself up for that one. You certainly did. Okay. Well, this episode was going to be, is our episode number 40, right? This episode was going to be one of the last ones of our epic road trip. However, we had something fantastico come into play. And that is, we had a visit from our friend Paolo. Paolo, a chef from Tuscany, came to our little island last weekend. So after that was over, we decided, okay, the last episode of the epic road trip has to be put on a back burner for a couple because... We're still giddy. Because our taste buds want to tell a story. Right. Good point. <laughs> well said. So we decided we will finish up the last two episodes of our road trip for sure. But this was such a lovely, awesome, delicious weekend that we wanted to share it right away. Allora. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Paolo from Tuscany is a chef. And he had told me a month or two ago, that he would be in New York City preparing a couple private meals and then from there doing the same in Chicago. And he'd let me know if he might have a few-day window that he could possibly come up here to our little island and do the same. So we were WhatsApping the whole time and all of a sudden he said, okay, I do. I have like three nights, three and a half days free. What do you think? I was like, certo, si, vieni. <laughs> So I no decision had to be made. Right. So the next morning I was at our friend's farm here in Jamestown. They have, you know, chickens, sheep, goats, donkeys, et cetera. And we take all our food scraps there and feed them every weekend or twice a week sometimes. And Vivi is her name and she was outside in the farm. And I said, Vivi, guess what? My friend Paolo from Tuscany is available. He's a chef and he's thinking about coming up, what do you think if I had, if I asked a few, and she goes, yes, yes, see, see, let's do it. And before I even finished, she said, I'll host it. I said, would you like to ask your husband, Hutch? She goes, he'll be fine. He loves to cook. These two people are such good cooks. And so she was so excited at the, at the idea. And here we are in like the doldrums of March, beginning of March, end of February. She said, let's do it. I was like, okay. So I like texted Paolo from standing there in the chicken coop going, see, si, vieni, let's do it. So with that, and she offered because they have a fantastic kitchen. It's like as quasi professional as, as, as you- As close to pro as you're right? going to get. But beautiful and stunning. It's not commercial looking, but right. we have a you know fine kitchen, but couldn't really no. do the job. We have a kitchen for two. Anyway, so all of a sudden, things went into motion. We texted a few friends, and within a few days, we had eight other additional people, the four of us, so 12 would be the maximum. So I said to Paolo, okay, we are on. And then we got so excited, and I offered, of course, that he could stay here. 
And so I'm doing sheets and cleaning up a guest bedroom, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, one night, Tom goes, what are we <laughs> going to cook for him? He's going to be here Friday night. The dinner Saturday night and Sunday night. What are we going to do? And we're like, <gasps> we went through a bunch of things. We thought of Bobby Flay burgers and. Oh, oh, you're right. Right. But the only thing we collectively agreed on was absolutely no Italian. We're not even going near the Italian oh, how to start, cuisine. How to start a long weekend off on a bad note. <laughs> Give a Tuscan chef our version of Italy. Right. But then, you know, what's funny. I was like, oh, I know. Tommaso, you make a really good tuna poke. And since we live on this island and they have a lot of local oysters, I don't eat them, but Tom loves them. I was like, let's have kind of an Asian night. We'll get local oysters and you make a tuna poke. He's like, excellent. I totally forgot that Paolo lived in Japan for months. (laughs) And she told me that that evening. I know. I forgot completely. I'm measuring everything to make sure that it's absolutely perfect. I never use a recipe. I just throw it together, but I found a recipe. And And it was delicious. Yeah, it was fine. Anyway, we're jumping ahead for ourselves. Paolo took a train from Manhattan. I picked him up and we gave him a little tour of our island and then stopped by Vivi's house. Hutch was elsewhere down in the South somewhere visiting their daughter, I think. Vivi said, okay, come on by because I just wanted Paolo to see the kitchen and know the lay of the land. And they have everything you could need, but just in case. So we pull up and the first thing we see, the door opens, all the dogs come running out and Vivi spreads her little teeny arms out and she goes, welcome Paolo. And she had this huge Italian flag nailed (laughs) to to the outside of the house by the front door. It was like the best welcome. And you could just see his Paolo smile like, well, this is going to be a nice (laughs) evening, right? Yes. I know he really enjoys all the clients that he has. And these clients that he cooks for in New York and Chicago are people that had visited Tuscany and stayed in private villas. And then the owners or the managers of these villas recommended Paolo as a private chef or for truffle hunting or for a day like I did previously, which is in my our episode number 30. Cheese and wine. Cheese producers, vineyards, wine tastings. Paolo has a longstanding relationship with these clients, so they bring him over. So I'm sure they're all really nice, but he knows me, never met Tom, never met Vivi. And the next thing you know, she's got an Italian flag and <laughs> dogs are wagging their tails. And he, I could just tell he was like, this will be fine. Right. And it was. After that, uh, we brought Paolo back to our house. And like I said, we prepared an Asian inspired meal, but he also brought a delicious bottle of Chianti mm-hmm. from Tuscany. And out of his bag, he also pulled out a small bottle of Vin Santo, which is in, must be episode 29 of my first night in Tuscany with the first Kitten Club group. And we had Vin Santo and it was just life-changingly delicious. And he brought us a little bottle from Montepulciano, mm-hmm. which we still have. We haven't had that yet. But uh, so we had a glass of Chianti that he brought and just got Tommaso and Paolo got to know each other. And then we had a lovely dinner. I thought it was delicious. And that was our first night. A little bit of jet lag. So he went to bed early. Yes, he did. Still, he 
he had jet lag because um, it's a lot of moving parts. Yes. Getting around New York City and, and one of his clients was and down shopping in shopping and yes, everything exactly. else. Yes. So anyway, the uh, next morning I took him shopping. We went to a local seafood market to see what they had. And then up from there to Whole Foods, found everything we needed for the menu, which I will describe in detail in a minute. But he had offered a few options to Vivi and myself. And I just want to, I just want to point this out that Vivi and I both love eggplant, melanzana. We love it to pieces. And we decided out of the kindness of our hearts that we would choose the other uh, first course appetizer. Praise the Lord. He offered instead because she said, Tino, Vivi said, Tino, some people don't like eggplant. I was like, Tommaso hates it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we gave up on the eggplant parmigiana, which a real Italian can make an eggplant parmigiana. Like I described, that restaurant in Rome. In Rome, yes. Makes the most unbelievable eggplant parmigiana. And I'm sure Paolo's would have been the same, but mm-hmm. out of the goodness of our hearts, we thought of our other eight friends and said, all right, fine, we'll go with this other one, which was about the best thing I've ever had in my life. Anyway, so Paolo and I went shopping. We came back. We unloaded everything, put it in coolers and organized stuff to take to Vivian Hutch's by 3.30. So we finished with that. And all, and Tommaso's helping us. And we're just standing there in the kitchen. And I hadn't really thought about lunch. Did I have anything in the refrigerator? Maybe, but it wasn't really on the top of my mind. So all of a sudden, Paolo turns around and he said, so, you know, I brought all this um, pecorino and parmigiano from Tuscany. Shall I just make us a caucho and pepe with homemade peachy pasta? <laughs> and I remember just catching your eye. My eyes so lit up. My we eyes were lit just up. like, what? My taste buds went right through the now roof. on a Saturday, <laughs> just the middle of a Saturday. Make fresh pasta. You're going to make us fresh pasta. Pasta and Cocho Pepe. Right. We were like kids in a candy store. Right. Like, holy cow. And after Rome, I'd been perusing like 19. Uh, it's a very simple recipe, but I've been perusing them online thinking, okay, I got to try this. Got to try this. It's, no, I'm too afraid. No, it was just, you know, he's such a good teacher that he explained it all in such a way in simplistic terms. Oh, yes. That day, right. last Saturday. But prior to that, I'm too afraid to no. have tried it. No. Because I will say, just as a little, um, you know, side story, we brought back Pecorino. I brought back Pecorino from Tuscany and gave it to my friend Marin in Boston, where we left our car for almost, you know, two weeks. And she made a Caucho and Pepe and she was super disappointed in it. And she's an excellent chef. So once she told me that, I was too afraid. But Paolo made the handmade peachy pasta, which, by the way... Doesn't no have, eggs. Does not have an egg, which n- neither of us knew that was possible. Who knew? Right? <laughs> and he made that first, and then we shaved some pecorino and some parmesan. It was so low-key. It was nothing. It was It was like he was boiling a pot of tea, yes. you know? It was like, it, it what? Was, it was all done in 45 minutes, the whole thing. Not even. Probably not. Well, anyway. Well, it took a little bit more time because we made some peachy. We, oh, yes. He let us try. He, he and I kept try. thinking, 
because I know that his children who are like 11 and 8, I know that they make peachy all while, the time. While talking and looking the other I way. <laughs> I was like, if your kids can do it, we can do it. So you're right. So maybe 45 minutes. Then we sat down by 1 o'clock and had the best, literally, that was the best couch home Pepe I have ever had. It certainly was that and was also the best Saturday lunch I yes. ever had. <laughs> that is without a doubt. Yes. And I just want to add that the Parmigiano that Paolo picked up in Modena, it was aged for 36 months. And the stuff that we get is aged for 12 months to 24 months, if you're lucky. You know what? I have to be honest. You know that Parmigiano we bought in Rome at the yes, market? Yes, I, I know. I know. This Parmigiano yes. that Paolo brought was tenfold better. Yes. And we were at the outdoor Campo di Fiore yes. in Rome and went to the best cheesemaker and bought a lot and brought it home. It was like, hmm. It was still good. It, it was, was great, it was great compared to what we right, get here. Right. But this Parmigiano that, oh, my, this oh was, this Dio was, mio. And we have a little left in our refrigerator. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so after that, we got our stuff together and we went over to... Hutch and Vivi's and Hutch had just gotten back from his trip. He literally just flew in half hour before, introduced Paolo to Hutch and set everything out in the kitchen. And they have this massive marble center island. center island. It looks like Carrara marble from Italy, but it's not. It's from Vermont, but it's beautiful. It's just the perfect kitchen to make a meal like this. Right. So we, um, I think the beauty of that kitchen also is that it's like Paula could be behind the center island and have the stove behind him and everything else, and everyone could watch around. Yes. So it was sort of like a performance art at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah. And it was. And cooking class. And it, it performance was. Performance yes. art slash cooking class. Absolutely. Well, for we were the lucky recipients of basically a free cooking class yes. that entire afternoon. Mm hmm. And Paolo is very calm and tranquilo and taught us everything, showed us everything. And Hutch was taking these notes like crazy because, as I mentioned, he's an excellent cook. They both are. His Even penmanship Hutch. is lacking. Sorry. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so hopefully sorry, he can decipher it. <laughs> anyway, so we started doing little jobs that Paolo gave us. Izzy, I've Forgot to mention Isabel, Vivi's sister was there and she shaved off the skin ever so delicately of the asparagus that was going with the main course. Uh, you chopped, uh, you shredded cheese. Yes. And I also, I also touched kale, which oh. is normally something <laughs> like eggplant, something I avoid, but I did, I did strip the kale off the stem, the, stem. the yeah. middle stem. Mm -hmm. That's right. Tom refuses to eat kale, but he tried it that day. You're, we're jumping ahead. Sorry. So we all did our little chores. Mine primarily was washing all the bowls, pots, pans. I'm very good at that. Very quick, organized. And so we helped to make this seamless. But whether we were there to help or not, I have a feeling that Paolo is so mellow and he's got it all down. And there wasn't any discussion as to now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. All of a sudden he just said, um, well, first I'll make the pasta dough. Vivi had mentioned the afternoon before, shall I go to the bakery and get some bread? And he looked at her as like, um, 
Well, no, I can just make some focaccia if you'd like. <laughs> Her eyes lit up. She turned and looked at us. She's like, what? You're going to make focaccia? So we got there and he's like, so now I'll make the focaccia dough, put some yeast in it, does his thing, puts it in a bowl, covers it with a cloth and that's to the side. Then he makes the ravioli dough and that needed a lot of kneading and more concentration, more work. Hutch actually helped knead and roll that and you could see him kind of huffing and puffing like, this is serious. So that was done and then all of a sudden... Some tomatoes were blanched and then some asparagus was peeled. And then, you know, it was just like free form. Right. It was so It all came together with casual. multiple parts. It was a team effort, but he was definitely the maestro leading the band. Yes, but it wasn't in any kind of order. No. He just, in his brain, knew what the menu was and said, okay, we'll do this. I should probably do this first. I'll do this next. And so we just all helped out and made it happen. Yes. And then we had asked our friends to come at 7.30, so at like literally 7.25, we all scattered, except for Paolo, and changed into nicer clothes because this was, as Vivi so sweetly put it, this was a very special occasion. Yes. So she had set the most beautiful table and flowers everywhere and colors and a fancy bar with Aperol spritz, everything else. It was Definitely a special occasion. So we had like four and a half minutes to change. And Hutch and Tommaso were the servers for the evening. So Tommaso had on a very bright striped, I think, shirt. A Pur nice purple striped. A nice tie, an apron. And Hutch came down in a full-on tuxedo with a pink cummerbund. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you need to up your game next time. Uh I'm a local boy in the bistro. <laughs> so we all got ready and then our friends came. We introduced everyone to Paolo and our aperitivo hour began. Aperol spritz, wine, whatever you'd like. They had basically a full bar and Paolo had taken that kale that we so delicately stripped off the stem and just like, I don't even know what to say, flash baked it. It was crispy. Yeah. It had a little pepper and little, salt on it. Yes, little salt and pepper. I don't even think there was olive oil on it. Maybe I, a drip. I, it was it was good. And Thank I'm you. Did you guys hear that? You I, liked it. I, I won't eat kale when it's raw, but it was kale when crispy. it's cooked. It was crispy. It was fine. And then the focaccia. Oh, my God. And then this friend Patrick brought, without us asking him, very generously brought about four different kinds of Italian cheese it was so nice. So we all had our aperitivo and Paolo's busy. And then another dog came. So we had to get the dogs under control. Yes, there were 12, <laughs> 12 people and a lot of dogs. Right. And then I said, va bene, stiamo pronti. We're ready and we'll do the first course. So we had everybody sit down and I'm going to describe each course in order. Go okay? for it. Go for it, girl. So. Our waiters, our servers, Hutch and Tommaso. What's that expression you use? Poised like a coiled spring. Poised like a coiled spring, as, yes. A taco. As Paolo finished the first course, this appetizer was a zucchini flan that he baked with some cream, I have to admit. Oh my God, it was delicious. In one of these flan-shaped 
teeny little individual cups, cups, baked them, flipped it upside down on the plate and over it, he poured a pecorino fondue that he called it, which was a pecorino sauce. I don't, I didn't even see what he did to make it so silky perfect. And he poured it over that, but previously they had blanched cherry tomatoes and then stuck those cherry tomatoes without the skin in a bowl of olive oil that we brought from Puglia and big cloves of garlic for hours that just sat together. So then Hutch dipped out the cherry tomatoes and put on top of this flan covered in pecorino sauce deliciousness and served it to each person. And we did it as quickly as possible. Let me interrupt for one second. You'll put all these photos in the order on Instagram, won't you? Certo. See. Si. Instagram, Kimberly's Italy. Okay. Check okay, it out. Okay, okay. Anyway, so then they served it and we all sat down at the same time. And can I just say like for a second, complete silence from all 12 <laughs> people. And then just like, <gasps> mm. especially from Aiden, our friend who is Scottish. He's an excellent cook as well. He just... He was sitting across from me. He took one bite and looked at me. He's like, (laughs) you could tell. He thought, this is perfect. Anyway, so that first course was unbelievable. From there, the second course, which we had helped with Paolo the whole afternoon, was a spinach and ricotta ravioli that he sauteed quickly after boiling it into a butter-sage combo. However, he taught us how to roll the the dough. He taught us how to make the spinach ricotta combo with the specific spices, herbs you needed, how to squeeze it out through that pastry bag, they call it, and then quinch it all together. No, squeeze it all together. Pinch it up. Pinch pinch the edges of all the ravioli with a little water. Make the oh, ravioli. Yes, he brushed, he took and a then, little brush. And, and then cut the ravioli yes, with, with the serrated fluted. roller. Fluted. It's called a fluted, fluted pasta yes. cutter. Yes. Mm-hmm. We learned so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he boiled all of that ravioli in a big pot and then took a certain amount each time and put it in. He had about three different pans with butter and sage. And he as only an Italian can do. I think you have to be Italian to do this. He just put the cooked ravioli in that pan and flip, flip. He oh, didn't it's that, use... It's that flick. It's that flick where it rolls backwards. Right. And if no I did that... No spatula in sight. No, if I nothing. did that, it'd be all over the kitchen. Right. <laughs> and he just... It was like a rhythm. He had it down and then he moved over, put five raviolis onto each plate, which was served immediately. And then we said, manja, manja, you guys eat it right away because we didn't want it to get cold. And everyone did. And while we were still serving, you could hear the, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, Dio mio. It was so good. Yeah. Just delicious. The flan was, the flan was wonderful, but the ravioli was super wonderful. And al dente was perfect. The finish and ricotta was still warm. It was absolutely perfect temperature, perfectly cooked, delicious, right? There we are, two courses in, and everyone's like, oh my God, this is so good. So we cleared the plates, and then the main course, which was a 
perfectly, perfectly baked whitefish, a thick piece of whitefish. Cod, loin of cod. Okay, with all these various herbs crushed and smashed with breadcrumbs, capers, et cetera, delicious. And that asparagus that Isabel shaved, he cooked that in a pan, kind of flip action like he did the ravioli. Yeah, with, with basically nothing. Right? Salt, pepper, tad of olive oil, maybe. And then, which is funny, he roasted these potatoes. And when we were in Whole Foods that day, he chose all these baking potatoes. Idaho baking potatoes. Right? And so I said, um, Paolo, what a dope I was. I said, Paolo, those are baking potatoes that we normally like bake whole in an oven. Then you slit it open and you put tons of stuff like butter or sour cream chives. And he looks at me and goes, <laughs> You're not the first American to tell me that. (laughs) I was like, got it. So indeed, you can roast chopped up baked baking potatoes. Yes, but when he when when he cut them up and pre cooked them and then he roasted them. Oh, he he pre boiled them, maybe. uh, I forget, but he had this. There was this wonderful crust on them. Exactly. That you broke into it, then it was like fluff in the middle. Yes. Oh my God, it was so good. But I will say, most of us women were full by the time that main course came about. I couldn't finish my fish or the potatoes. I finished both. Yeah, I know. You and James, James, our friend James, his plate was licked clean, basically, (laughs) (laughs) each each course. Anyway, it was so good. But then I said to Paula, we need a little break after this. And we had one. And then after, you know, like half hour, 45 minutes, the dessert came out. Okay. So poached pears that FYI, Paolo touched, pinched, felt every single pear for about a half an hour in Whole Foods, found the perfect ones. And he poached them in red Italian wine. And then he made a zabayone sauce, which I had never heard of. So of course I had to look it up after he sent us the you know, menu options. I'm like, Zabayone, what's that? So I watched a YouTube video on it. (laughs) Of course, what else would you do? (laughs) I'd never heard of it, but I'm not a baker. And the reason it was so delicious is A, because Paolo made it, and B, because every single thing that needed an egg for this dinner was from Vivian Hutch's hens. The freshest eggs, they got them probably that morning, so the color of this zabayone sauce was so yellow. And all it is, is egg yolk, sugar, and sometimes wine, but in this case, he used a cognac. And he made the sauce, he put it down on the plate, and then he put the red at this point, this dark red pear on top, and then he added a little, somehow he made some other special sauce that went on top. And so we delivered that as soon as we could and everyone sat down. And then if you thought that like the flan ooze and ahs were amazing, I was sitting next to Vivi and across from Aiden and all of a sudden Vivi took like two bites and then she put her fork down and spoon down, whatever it was. And she grabs my arm. She goes, and I'm not kidding. She goes, this is the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. (laughs) It was so delicious and so simple. And, you know, you've heard of poached pears your entire life, right? I actually told the menu to my mom and she goes, oh, I did poached pears forever. I I was so ahead of my time. 
I was like, well, actually. They weren't like this. They weren't like this. No <laughs> offense, mom, but Zabayone sauce, never heard of it. And the visual beauty of it, the taste, the yep. combination. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. It was such a perfect evening with food that all 12 of us absolutely love, but we're not capable of making it. We're not professional chefs. We're not Italian. Going to try tomorrow night. Well, actually, <laughs> that's very food. true. We're, We're going to try to repeat only the, the ravioli. ravioli. Yes. We have a few friends coming over tomorrow night that couldn't make it last weekend. And we they were both, obvious, I mean, funny enough, they were both in California. So we're going to try to recreate it. I'll let, I'll let Paolo know how we did. Anyway, it was such a lovely evening and we all felt so lucky to have that experience. So to end it all up, just fantastic. I will admit that um, Tommaso drove Paolo home about 1 a.m. Yes. I crawled into bed at quarter of three, mm -hmm. but I helped clean up. And then James had a little guitar session, which was fantastico also. Anyway, the next morning we drove Paolo over to Newport to give him a little tour of that island, which is famous for all the mansions and sailing and we just wanted to give back, show him our where we live, which sadly in March is not as pretty as Tuscany in March, but whatever. He we could... wanted to show him our Centro Historico. <laughs> oh, we did. We took him to our old house in Newport, the Centro Historico. Our house was from 1889. Meanwhile, he, he lives in a place from like 1670, probably, <laughs> if that Anyway, then we came back from our little Newport tour and we sat down with him in our studio here and did a podcast recording. So next week, you can hear all about Paolo's uh, journey to it's, where he is been today. A journey and an extraordinary life and extraordinary travels. Mm -hmm. And he's only like mid 40s and yeah. he's just the nicest guy. Yeah. So that will be next week. But I have to say, after we finish the podcast recording, this is how I'll leave it. He said, okay, va bene. Um, shall I make us a pasta? <laughs> yes, of course. For lunch? <laughs> and Tom was like, oh my God, oh my God. So to be honest, we had three pastas within 24 hours. Well, not quite 24, like 27. Oh, big so. deal. We had caucho and pepe Saturday for lunch. See? We had ravioli Saturday night, Saturday night for dinner. See? And Sunday he made us, he did not make the full-on no, pasta had, from No, we had a dry scratch. pasta. We had a good dry pasta, a yeah. good Italian dried pasta. Yeah. And he made a tomato, fresh tomato, caper, herb, sauce, whatever. And we were just like, whoa. So. I, I think the thing that, that I came away with from the whole weekend, but listening to him talk about cooking was simplicity mm -hmm. and one or two, three ingredients. And that's it. You don't get complicated. Go easy. Don't worry about the proportions and a lot feel it. And it was, it was, it was ingrained in him to feel this, but the simplicity came through a lot. But you know what? That is all of Italy, but especially Tuscany. Right. Fresh regional ingredients. They cook what they have during that season. Right. I think with that lunch, he said, what do you got in the refrigerator? Exactly. And we just, we got some capers and some garlic. And, and he made it happen. Okay. Made it happen. We're like, oh my God, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I should finish up, but I actually have to finish the weekend with the fact that to try and pay 
Vivi and Hutch back for their incredible generosity. We asked them over for dinner with Isabel, Vivi's sister. And then we thought we should actually ask our friend Conrad, Conrado, who did episode 13 with us because he used to live in Luca. So we had them over for dinner and we said to Paulo, you're not doing a thing. We're making Mexican. But he did. I know. He right? got up from his nap in the afternoon. Yeah, he took a little reposa. Uh-huh. And, and so we made kind of like fajitas, soft tacos, whatever. They were fine. Guacamole. It was totally fine as he long wa- as it- if he walks into a kitchen, he cannot not know, grab right? a right. knife and see what you have in the refrigerator. So in the end, uh, Vivi Hutch and Isabella came over and Conrado. We had a great time. All funny stories. Lots of laughs. And in the end, when they left, they all said, Paolo, thank you. Thank you so much. What a lovely weekend. And knowing that Kimberly plans these trips that she does. So we're in. I think we're in late October this year, 2022. Villa rental, Tuscany, you private dinners, cooking classes, What's not to love? What's not to love? Ciao, amico. <laughs> hug, hug. Ce vediamo. So yeah. awesome. And I was like, well, my God, that's all it took is like, you need a influence like that to get you so excited to this other culture, other lifestyle, and to know that you could have such an amazing time. And this is actually the joy I get in return. I have sent Paolo clients in the past. But then, of course, COVID came, you know, but I do have two families and one couple that have already committed to a day or a week or a couple of nights. It's experiences like this that make my clients so happy with these trips that I plan for them. And they can experience anything like this that we just did or a day of truffle hunting with Paolo, visiting the cheesemakers, going to vineyards, wine tastings. So that's the joy I get from having a friendship like this with Paolo. And when we're all friends after these experiences, it all turns back to life is a medium-sized cocktail party. Yes, it did. Yes, it does, I should say. And let me say, when they left that night, they're like, ciao, amico. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) And they all have a new friend in Paolo. And Paolo has new friends in them. That's right. So that's it. We'll stop. And next Tuesday will be the episode we recorded with Paolo. Thank you for listening and see you next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. And buon appetito. (laughs) 